0: welcome back to the don't worry about it podcast where we talk all things mental health related from anxiety to depression from happiness to sadness and all emotions and feelings in between on today's episode we have our very first guest my friend avi joins the program to talk about his struggles with mental health how he became aware of it how he's battled in his in his journey I hope you enjoy the I hope you enjoyed as much as I did it was a really really strong and I commend avi for having the guts and the vulnerability to come onto this platform to share his story. Please, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Avi, welcome to the Don't Worry About It podcast.
1: Thanks so much, David. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, my, my first question to you is Do you suffer from any mental health uh, disorders?
1: Yeah, so I suffer from generalized anxiety disorder, which uh, I've had, you know, basically my whole life, but I've only learned to understand over the past few years.
0: So, you've, right, you said you feel like you've, you've dealt with it your entire life, and only only the last few years that you've come to understand it. How did you realize, how did you come to that awareness?
1: So, I think that... um there wasn't really a specific moment where I came to understand you know what anxiety was and that I was dealing with it um, but I happened to uh, be taking a class in college my senior year that was about uh, drugs and you know different type of treatment um and You know, there were some anti-anxiety drugs we were learning about. So I had to um, dive a little deeper into what anxiety was and how drugs help treat them. And I realized that, you know, after all these years, this is what I was dealing with. And it really was a pretty big moment for me. Um, But the thing is, I, I didn't really take it to heart until maybe about six months later and start, you know, learning even more about anxiety and how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that's really common. Um, Kids grow up feeling that anxious and nervousness and then take a class in college or get educated by some reading an article online and and then they kind of make that connection like, oh, that's what it was. So now that you've like come to understand it, how do you, what do you do to deal with your anxiety?
1: So my go-to um way to deal with it is actually something that you discussed on last week's podcast the um inhale for four seconds hold for five seconds and exhale for seven seconds method uh it works really well and you could really do it in a pinch if you're ever feeling particularly stressed or just a standard bout of anxiety or want to calm down um i do it on a daily basis um but there's a bunch of other things that i've uh learned to utilize um i've used meditation um Meditation definitely is a very difficult thing to use and it's worked really well for me, but I've kind of, you know, gone in and out of um, the routine of using it. Um, But just in general, when I'm dealing with a particularly bad bout of anxiety, I try to either go for a walk, go to the gym. I took up kickboxing, uh, which unfortunately I haven't been able to do in a while because of the COVID pandemic, but that was really effective. Um, Or, if I'm just like sitting in class or in bed or anywhere and I need to just calm down, I try to just think about something more positive, think about sports. I'm a really big sports fan. And in order to sort of just distract myself until I calm down a bit, I just like go through like teams or players at certain positions, stuff like that. And then another thing that um, I've learned, it was from a video I watched a couple of years ago, and it seems to work pretty well. I just sort of like bombard myself with positive thoughts and, you know, just things I'm happy about or just like a particular positive thought and really just like, you know, start to flesh it, flesh that out in my head until I calm down, on uh, just as more of a distraction and to realize that like, there's a lot of, you know, positivity to think about.
0: Yeah. I think that that method, I think is, re- is something that I, I really recommend. I, I try and do it um, for myself. I think, anxiety a lot of it is so you get you really do get attacked your your, your brain and your mind just send so much negativity and you focus so much on the negative negative. and that the only so the, one of the best ways to really counteract that is to is to is to go to more, is basically to use positive thoughts and to counteract it focus on one positive moment a few positive moments Throw let your i think it really lets your brain counteract it and find some sort of balance because i think when when people get very anxious and tell me if this is something that happens with you you get very anxious and then you try and find you're off balance. And all you're trying to do is find balance of finding a way to just to get yourself to a a neutral base level where you can then calm down, whether it's through breathing, through breathing exercises or positive thoughts, then you can then work on actually dealing with anxiety.
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I also think it's something that's applicable to people that aren't particularly dealing with anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder um, in particular um because you know, I sort of think that I deal with two different types of anxiety in a sense. one of it one of them is really when I'm in a tough situation that's really stressful, like I'm t- studying for or taking a test or about to give like a speech or on a job interview, like really you know, high stakes moments um and I sort of just feel a debilitating <laughs> amount of stress sometimes and I'm unable to function so well or you know think about anything else and sometimes it sort of leads to what we would say is a panic attack or anxiety attack where you know it just feels like everything's spinning and your your brain is overwhelmed with thoughts and stuff like that you start sweating and stuff like and you know certain physical manifestations of it but you know in addition to just those high stakes moments there's the constant feeling of just like nervousness tension or worrying or just like a pit in your stomach that you know people that have generalized anxiety disorder have at almost all times or at least on a day-to-day basis and the big thing about that is that it's not really for a particular reason there's no real logic behind it it's just there
0: right i think i think what a lot of i think that's something that's that's very when people right, get that anxiety they, they, they feel that that sweating i think it's very easy for people to, to get so swept in it. How do you ground yourself to allow yourself, right. To get to the point where you, or, or do you just build it through routine through breathing? Like how did you build up a routine to counteract your anxiety?
1: I mean, it's, it's definitely difficult because I think that you sort of have to train yourself just like you have to train yourself in other areas in life. You have to train yourself to counteract it and it takes practice. Um, I think that thankfully um, you know, due to a lot of practice and a lot of failure, I've put myself in the right mindset that breathing or simply walking or having positive thoughts does have a direct effect and is very effective most of the time. But it's definitely not easy. And I think people just one of the bigger steps that I don't see talked about as much is just like, really acknowledging what you're dealing with and just telling yourself that it'll pass and to get just like do whatever you need to do whether it's to breathe or distract yourself or move around to get past that it's not just about like combating it like affirmatively which is very important but it's also just like taking a step back and saying okay this happens and i'll get through it
0: yeah i think i think it's so easy to get caught up in 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 that wave of negative emotion where. Where once you get swept up in it, it, it can feel like a ball rolling down a hill that like just keeps getting momentum, keeps catching so much momentum that event that if you don't stop it, it can really do, de- de- um, can really destroy a day. I mean, I, I know I've had days where I, I wasn't able to control my anxiety and it absolutely crushed what, what could have been a really good day, and
1: I've also uh, definitely
0: dealt with that so. You mentioned um, that you've you've had this general anxiety your your entire life, but only acknowledged it. Looking back, is there a moment, is there like a moment that sticks out to you where you're like, where you realize you were having a lot of anxiety or an anxiety attack that impaired you?
1: Yeah. So it's pretty interesting because I guess you really don't realize like that certain moments that seem so mundane when you're a kid really stick with you, you know, for a long time. And you know, there was a moment in about ninth grade where I was just hanging out with a bunch of my friends and I happened to mention something that I dealt with on a daily basis. I, I really just like asked, like you you guys know, like when you're just nervous at all times, but you don't really have a reason to be nervous. And you're just trying to think of if you have reasons to be nervous and it just doesn't go away. I said something, you know, of that nature. And my friends were all like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm nervous if I have something I have to be nervous about, but otherwise I'm just relaxed. Like, what do you mean? And like, it was a pretty tough moment because before that, I never really thought about having any sort of, you know, mental health issues or anything quote unquote different about me. But I felt pretty isolated and confused in that moment because I genuinely had no idea what I was dealing with or that it wasn't what everyone else felt and it's a pretty tough moment to really reckon with especially as an adolescent who is going through a lot of change and really just growing and comparing yourself to your peers it's it was a really tough moment that really stuck with me and
0: and looking back on it now do you think that your when you brought that up to your friends that they answered honestly is it possible that they may have been you know had that same nerves themselves or And they just weren't, you know, admitting you have a mental like anxiety, you feel like those feelings, especially as with guys and the way that guys interact, especially in the ninth grade at that 14, at that 14 year old, 13, 15 year old age, it's very, it can be very hard. So I I always wonder, I know for myself, when I was talking with with my friends, when I'd I'd say something, they'd say, no, I never felt that way. I always wonder if maybe they weren't telling the truth or I I wonder, is it possible that when you ask those friends and were they... Do you think that they were telling the truth?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I do wonder that. And I think that it could be a mixture of some of them not even realizing that they were dealing with it and others, you know, being too ashamed to admit it. Um, and it's not that they were giving me such a hard time about it. It was just more like a sense of, confusion and not really being able to relate to what I was saying it's not like they were like shaming me and saying wow you're crazy or you're broken or what are you talking about like you're losing your mind it wasn't like that it was just like no like I can't relate to that and it's really tough when you say something that you think everyone is dealing with and you're the only one especially when it's something that's pretty debilitating
0: yeah and and since your friends weren't like able to you know weren't able to reciprocate those feelings that are or understanding, was there anyone else that you tried to bring this up to?
1: Uh, I don't believe so, Uh, especially during that age um, in high school and even through most of college. I don't think I ever really discussed it with anyone. Um, I really, in retrospect, wish I did because it would have normalized it. I would have understood that what I was dealing with is very common and not something to freak out about. And even though not everyone has it, a high percentage of the population deals with that or something similar. Um, So I wish I had mentioned it, um, especially to my family, because I know for a fact that certain family members deal with anxiety and I hadn't discussed any of that with them until very recently. And, you know, they'd always mentioned that they had anxiety and, you know, sometimes it was worse than other times, but I really didn't think much into it and sort of just like, knew that that's something in general that people deal with I never inquired or discussed or talked about my feelings um mostly because I didn't realize that it was anxiety I just had no idea what I was dealing with and it was a little scary and I feel like I sort of tried to suppress it a little bit and didn't acknowledge that it was a specific thing I was dealing with I thought I just like made myself too nervous and it was something that you know was my fault in a sense
0: So looking back now, I guess, what what was it like? What's it like now looking back now that you've come to understand anxiety and kind of accepted that you have it? How how do you look back on on your younger years where, where you dealt with it? What comes to mind?
1: Well, it's really tough because I think that there were a lot of situations in which I could have had an easier time if I knew what I was dealing with and sought some sort of help, whether And it's not, I'm not even saying necessarily to like go to someone to speak to them. Like, I'm all in favor of, you know, people going to therapy or any other sort of treatment in that sense. But it's more just like understanding it and knowing what I was dealing with. And if I had that awareness, I think I would have avoided a lot of situations where, you know, I worked myself up into a paralysis in a sense or. Just wasn't able to relax during times when all my friends were able to just like sit back and relax and enjoy whatever they were dealing with. I thought that, you know, there were times where I had certain thoughts or just inner restraints that, you know, didn't allow me to maximize all of my time and just led to situations that were not enjoyable that I could have avoided or minimized the pain from.
0: And what are uh, what are your triggers? What triggers your anxiety? How does – what really gets your anxiety going?
1: Yeah, well, I think that um, definitely school-related stuff. I just graduated law school a couple months ago, and I'm starting for the bar exam, which is definitely a very stressful thing right now. Um, and if I'm having trouble, I feel like if uh, I reach sort of a point where – I'm not progressing as quickly in my studying. It definitely like makes me anxious because I, it always relates my mind back to the stakes involved, which are you know high stakes with the bar exam and stuff like that. So I think like when there's a daunting thing that's hovering in the future and I'm reminded of that and I see some sort of negativity relating to that, it like brings all of the pressure into like a sudden urge of like tension. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, and and as somebody whose schools like one of my biggest was one of my is and was one of my biggest triggers for my anxiety. For con- first of all, congratulations on graduating law school. That's an incredible achievement. Thank you. And I definitely can relate to to those feelings of daunting of pushing off work where it feels like, how am I ever going to get this done? But I mean, now that you've graduated, you no, know, that now you've graduated. Looking back, is it what? What does it feel like to be able to overcome that anxiety and actually not only. Not only beat it, but do it, and in, in the sen- and get through it in the sense of of real accomplishment.
1: That's a great question. But real quick, I'm just wondering. So, did you deal with uh, severe procrastination in high school? Because I certainly did, and I was unsure if that was a product of my anxiety or not. Because a lot of people talk about procrastinating, but I think I took it to some very extreme levels. Did you deal with that?
0: Yeah, I was a big procrastinator, but I never understood. Looking back now, like I really procrastinated. Like I was i was really last second for the most part with essays um, yeah. i didn't really study from like the middle of my sophomore year on for really any test maybe if i the most serious studying i would do was really do 10 minutes bef- maybe like a period or 10 minutes before 40 to 10 to 40 minutes of studying yeah max before a test and that's if i really like could get myself to care enough yeah i just i, I just really rejected it but for essays if i was going to hand one in i was doing it the period before. But I always wonder if that was me being lazy or me being a procrastinator. And I'm not. To this day, I want. I feel like if I say it was because I'm a procrastinator, then it kind of lifts some of the responsibility off right. me. But if I say it's late, but if I say it's lazy, then maybe I'm not acknowledging my anxiety manifesting in procrastination. So I don't know which way I, I, I ultimately lean. I think it's something that I may. I'll probably never know the answer to. Yeah. But looking back now, I see it, I see it in, in, in the way that I prepare myself for, for other things in life. I, I think for the most part, it does actually it – do, it, it definitely manifests in procrastination. It's just I don't want to feel – I know if I, if when I do this work, it, how, how it makes me feel. So if I push it off, I delay that feeling coming as long as I possibly can. But ends up resulting in, in bad results that just feeds into negativity. I do bad in the test and because I didn't study, because I procrastinated. Now I feel even – now I feel that I'm stupid. That's right. negative thoughts that just it's just kind of like an, a hate negativity recycling yeah. recycling cycle, and that's just never worked for me
1: yeah um i definitely I definitely hear that, and in terms of the idea of going through school and graduating from law school uh, despite the anxiety, I mean it definitely feels very gratifying um, obviously everyone deals with a lot of pressure and exhaustion and various personal difficulties in going through school and particularly graduate school or law school but i think that um one of the things i was pretty worried about throughout uh, law school was just like i feel like um i was just like really worried to start in the legal profession which is considered very cutthroat and just you know i wasn't sure if i was like cut out for it and i think that going through law school i just I felt similar ways in the beginning of law school, just saying like, you know, do I really belong here? Am I able to keep up? And I think that the fact that I was able to, you know, do pretty well in law school and get through it helps ease some of my, you know, anxiety or nervousness towards being able to cut it in the legal field. So obviously, you know, I still have a lot of work to do leading up to, you know, succeeding professionally, but I think that I felt some of the similar feelings towards law school, that I felt towards, you know, going into start working. So it sort of eases a little bit of that tension. What is it about law and
0: what is it about the law profession that, that made you want to go and seek a profession in it?
1: Um, well, for starters, my dad's a lawyer and I was sort of looked up to him. Um, but I just think it suits my abilities pretty well. I've always excelled more in areas of, reading, writing, analysis, um, persuasion, then math, science, stuff like that. Um, So yeah, I think it suits my abilities. I have a lot of interest in it. I was always a pretty logical thinker. Um, And in terms of uh, logical thinking, I actually think that's why it's so hard for it was so hard for me to understand that I had anxiety and what it was, because I think that you know, when you just have the general anxiety throughout the day and there's no particular reason for it, you really just keep questioning, like, why, why do I feel this way? Why am I dealing with this? I don't have a specific reason. And it's really tough when you are programmed to think logically as opposed to just, like, more holistically. You know what I'm saying?
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, as your friend, I can definitely attest to all the things you were rattling off about being logical, reasoning, analysis. I know in our conversations you definitely display it. I think you're going to be a great lawyer. And I I want to, I'm curious, do you consider yourself to be a confident person?
1: Yeah. So I think that I definitely struggled with confidence in high school Um, and it's sort of grown since then, but you know, there's a real idea with confidence that it's sort of a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And fortunately I never, I never really had any issues socially. Like I always had a great group of friends and felt very, you know, accepted in um school or whatever social circles i was in um and a lot of it a lot of it was just through sort of faking a sense of confidence um and trying to use that to counteract any sort of social anxiety or just general timidness that comes about um so yeah i think that like as i've grown i've Grown to be more naturally confident, but I think confidence is really something that you could practice and work on, and it truly is a fake until you make it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I'm always split on on, on what confidence really even is. Like, um, I, I struggled with I've uh, really low confidence. I've um, had it my entire life. I've never been um, someone who's been. I'm, I'm not. I've never been really positive by nature, um, especially about a lot of things. But to myself, I'm like my harshest critic. Like my My inner like monologue and my inner thoughts always like pick apart like the worst things. Like I see it in other people, but interpret. But, I mean that, that that being able to like see flaws and negative things in other people, when you internal like I always internalize that the harshest on myself. Uh, right. Unfortunately, I took it out. I've I've taken it out on some people in my life. I, I'm not proud of those moments. I've apologized to, to the people that I, that, I, that I that I've done it to, but I've always done it like the harshest to myself and i always want And my friends i'd always like talk and they'd say you confidence. you have to be confident like you need to just be like, you're you're good like you do good things like they'd hype me up and then just say just believe, fake it till you make it and i've tried faking it till i make it yeah and that works to an extent where like i've you know you hype yourself up like i'm the man like i, I, I do all this but you kind of build it on a house of cards that when something doesn't go your way you completely. F- I, I found that my like that house of cards that I built my fake confidence on. Once right. that topples, I'm like crushed, and my negative thoughts get even more ammunition. It's like, see, you see, you idiot. You thought you were, you thought you were hot shit. You're not hot shit. And then list right. off all the reasons why you're not. And I'm like, there we go. That inner guy got me again. And then it's right. just, I found that it's been really. That's been something that's really hard. So I always wonder, you know, with people like I, I know you. I never would have. I would never guess. That just looking at you from the outside, and I think that's one of the big problems with anxiety and mental health issues today is that they're not, for the most part, they're not physical things you can see. I would never guess that you deal with it. How does that knowing that, like, how does that like affect you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I appreciate that in in a, in the sense that it is you know considered a positive. Like, obviously, it's it's nice if uh, that's not the first thought for people that you interact with um but I think that um I've been especially vocal in recent years since I've learned about exactly what anxiety is about the fact that I do have social anxiety and I'm very nervous you know to meet people and stuff and there are times where I really just like draw a blank when I'm like speaking to someone for the first time and it's a little tough to recover from but I think that, like, you know, I just go into a room and say, like, I've I've adopted the mindset to do that, like, to go into a room and say, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm the man, just tell yourself that, and I think it really works, and it sounds really cheesy or cocky in a sense, but I think it really helps you overcome a lot of obstacles, and I think that, you know, I've told a lot of friends that have confided in me about anxiety in general or social anxiety, and I think the best the best like advice i've given them is just to pretend you're the best when wherever you are and that everyone around you is trying to win you over and i think that i think that works pretty well um but i think the fact that people wouldn't know on the surface that i have anxiety and have voiced that to me definitely gives me more incentive to you know, not judge people based on their perceived confidence or lack of anxiety and give people the benefit of the doubt and always, you know, keep in the back of my head that they're probably dealing with something difficult. And, you know, some people it's, it's easier for them to overcome in a social setting and some people it's not.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought up social anxiety because social anxiety is something that I've, I've done a lot of research on, studied a lot because once I like read the definition of it and, in, in in college like when i was taking a psychology class i was like bingo that's me. like i got that i'm pretty, i've always felt like i'm pretty comfortable in like what in like small group conversations where like i can f- express like certain opinions but when i get into like a real social setting where there's a lot of people i freak like i freak out like my anxiety goes through the roof my hands starts to shake and i've like and i've sp- and i've been with like friends where like i've told them like they're like oh come out like you need to you need to go out and be more social and i'm like I know I need to be more social, but me being more social for me and sometimes ends up being like my worst nightmare, like my anxiety gets really bad and and gets and gets really ramped up. How what what advice would you give to somebody that that that's dealing with social anxiety?
1: I mean, it's definitely not an easy thing to deal with. Um, I still have my times where I sort of just, you know, flop in the middle of like meeting people and just sort of have to like go to the side. Um, especially it happens to me a lot if like, I sort of make like some sort of joke or reference that like fails. I feel like I have trouble like rebounding from that. Um, I know that that's usually after the fact, once you meet people, but you know, even with like friends and stuff, I feel like, and that, that definitely applies to social anxiety. Like if I have like a point in a, a conversation in a group setting where I feel like something I said just wasn't agreed with, or someone makes like a joke about me or something, like sometimes it's really hard for me to rebound from that. But, I've sort of just trained myself to have, you know, a short memory in a sense and just like take a breath and keep going and try not to like overthink it. Just keep yourself in the moment, but it definitely is difficult. And I oftentimes like one, this is a more of a minor thing, but like, I feel like when I'm meeting people, it's hard for me to remember people's names if I'm meeting a bunch of new people, because I'm so fixated on my own appearance and like remembering like, to even say my name and say it in like a normal way or something like that. Um, So I think that that's definitely a challenge for me, but I try to like to just distract myself also in that moment um, and not think too much about myself when I'm meeting someone else and try just to think about them and not worry too much about the moment. Just know that they're meeting you for the first time or in a group setting that they're voicing their own opinions and beliefs and that not, not everyone would necessarily agree with them. But I think that's just important to know that usually in these situations, everyone's in the same boat and you're not just like standing there with a spotlight on you as sometimes it feels like.
0: Avi, it's interesting that you use the word spotlight because when I look at like a lot of social situations, um, I, I wonder if people would be so best served is to see like how I would know how everyone else in the room's feeling for the, a lot of times a room's mixed up with a, a lot of people who have social anxiety and, and are anxious about meeting other people. And we kind of all have, a lot of people have all this pimped up tension. Everyone, a lot of people are worried about saying, what if I say the wrong thing? I feel like it's such a weird dynamic in the room that everyone kind of shares that those same, same feelings that if people would just like open about, it's like, yeah, this is weird where it's a weird situation, but it's also like, that's the way the world, like, you know, that's how kind of how, how it works. Like we all, People get in rooms, we all chat with each other and and, and we talk about it. I, I always wonder if, people, if maybe if people were more, I don't necessarily open about it, but if people could really internalize and understand that they're not, a, that they're not the only ones who suffer from social anxiety, or I guess it can apply to any anxiety whatsoever, kind of can create a bond.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think in terms of friends that have told me, that they suffer from anxiety also, it sort of has created more of a bond between us. We both feel both more comfortable to discuss it, but also just that the other person relates to what you're saying more. And, you know, for something that I've had experiences discussing when other people don't relate to it, it's nice when you have a friend that relates to it. And I think that normalizing it more and making it more fun or funny or, you know, just casual to bring up is definitely something that could help people that suffer from social anxiety because I think that if they realize that everyone feels like they're in a daunting situation in group settings or meeting new people that they won't focus so much on their own flaws or attention and they'll just be more comfortable and it's also just an instant bond between people
0: yeah it's, it's something that when you can share it with somebody I know it's, it's funny um, we've been friends for I think now like ab- about a few years now I remember the first time I met you visiting, um, visiting you in college. Um, I knew one of you, I knew a couple of your of your roommates, and we had a, and from mutual friends. And we were chatting um, after a weekend full of drinking and, and having a, a great time. We were sitting in a room with a few of your roommates and a, and a few friends, and we were kind of chatting about the general state of, of people. And, and one thing that always that I always remember and stick out is we were chatting about the fallacy of of, of, of the big moment. Um, I know Hollywood. And, and TV shows and movies does it a lot when that person, that, that main character has an existential crisis and they go to their like one happy place. And it feels like everything was solved in like those 45 second of montage moments where they go and they peer off into a lake or the ocean and they feel in right. all that moment, I think, I know for me, like I internalize a lot of, a lot, I watch a lot of movie and TV and I internalize those moments. And I always think that those are like the moments that are so, that they're that, that so important that when I feel things though i need to go do what that person did and then you kind of and i've and i've gone and done them right you go and lake and you look over and you're like to yourself aren't i supposed to have an epiphany here or like, <laughs> everything's supposed to click and then it does it and we yeah. were talking about that i don't know if you remember the conversation we were just like completely crapping on, on that and how much it affected how much it affected us in our lives and how a lot of people seem to feel that same way
1: yeah i totally agree and i think that if you make your expectations for how you're supposed to feel so high, then that makes the lows feel even worse. And I think that it's a very dangerous thing to say, I'm supposed to feel a certain way in a certain situation, because Mm -hmm. then if you don't feel like, I think honestly that the key to happiness is low expectations and that sounds like a very bleak mindset, but I've definitely adopted that over the past few years and it helps a lot. You know, if you expect something great and something great happens, then it just follows your expectations. But If you have modest expectations and it doesn't work out, then that also just fills your expectation. But if it does work out, then you're even more happy and even more appreciative of how everything turned out.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's I think there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in that. I always uh, whenever somebody talks about low expectations, I don't know if you've seen the movie Dodgeball, but Vince Vaughn's character at the beginning of the movie and he, like, he's talking with, with, with one of the people and they're talking about expectations. And he goes, I don't set any expectations. That way, I don't disappoint anyone.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And, I, and that, like, Dodgeball was my, one of my favorite movies growing up. And I, I think I internalized that a lot. I think sometimes I, you set, but for some people, you know, you set your expectation bar, like, way too low. And I think it, that in that way works against you. It's because when you, sometimes when you do achieve that small task, sometimes it works in a positive sense. But in some ways, I know for me, I, When I do something small, my internal thing will be like, all you did was that one small thing. Like you didn't do shit. You haven't really accomplished anything. And it's like, look at you setting your goals so small and thinking that you should take that victory lap.
1: Yeah. And I think that actually applies really well to someone that deals with anxiety on a day to day basis, because there are days when I feel like specifically when I'm like, not in school, like if it's like a break from school or something like that. And I'm just home and not really doing anything in particular. And I feel a bad anxiety coming. And it just feels really rough. And I think that if I bring some sort of gratification, even if it's minor and I set my expectations low, it helps me a lot to just, like, get out of that little rough patch throughout the day. And even if it's just going for a walk or calling a friend or washing the dishes, something small really helps you, you know, just – add some sort of gratification to your day and move into more of a positive direction mentally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, I think accomplishing things helps a lot when you're, when you're, especially if you're in a rut and you're, and you have a lot of anxiety, or especially if you're depressed, I think, I think when you set out a small task, it could be as simple as cleaning your room. Um, I I don't know about you. Um, my, my room's usually very, very messy but when i start to feel like anxious about something i'll just start cleaning my room and for for a couple of reasons one it's a mess like you got to have some semblance of respect for yourself and two uh, it helps it, it's accomplishing a small task it's saying this is something so simple and i can do it and if i can do this then i can do something else that's a win you start to build momentum of your day now exactly. that I, now i clean my room what about what if i go what if i clean my room and make my bed now I've cleaned my room and I've made my bed. I've already – you do that first thing in the morning. That's, that's your thing. You build a routine where you accomplish things in the morning. I think that really sets your, your mind up for some positivity and it sets you up with a sense of accomplishment at an early, early start.
1: Exactly. And I also think that my anxiety is particularly bad sometimes when I feel like I had like a wasted day, so to speak. Um, And I'm just like in my bed and thinking like, wow, what did I do today? Like I could have done so much more with my day. And even like if it's a couple really minor things like that, that add up, I think it just helps me feel so much more at ease after the day. And, you know, there's times when like, as we've discussed before, you're just like in bed and you have some sort of bout of anxiety, whether it's like a full on anxiety attack or just, you know, the standard feeling of a lot of tension and your head just feels like it's spinning and overwhelmed with thoughts. I think that, you know, bombarding yourself with positives, as I've said before, it it really applies even with very minor things and just realistic goals that you set. If you just think about that, it helps put you at ease and get you through it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I want to shift and, 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 and talk about a topic that's been on my mind recently. I'd love to hear what you have to think about it. What is it about anxiety that you think that people have a hard time you know acknowledging in the world but also in themselves
1: i guess like part of it sort of is that it's so common but it's not so dangerous or debilitating in a sense that like it would be discussed so much in the media or um just among kids in high school and stuff like that on a day-to-day basis you know like obviously it's terrible and people you know, deal with it in different types of ways, some of them more extreme than others, but it's not the type of thing that like other elements would be considered so noteworthy. And I think that's one of the problems because I think it's sort of like a latent disease in a sense where it's just there. And, you know, there aren't really moments where you're just like, oh my God, I need to do something about this. It's more, you're just like, basking in it and trying to get through the day as opposed to big time inflection points where it needs to be discussed you know and I think it's really tough because there's so many people like myself who went through it for so many years without any sort of understanding or acknowledgement of it and you you know at the same time there were so many people around you because you know I I recently read that 20% of people have some sort of anxiety that they deal with which is a very high number and you know If you look at that and say one in five people have anxiety and you look at your friend group, then there's a good chance that at least someone that you're pretty close with is dealing with it, whether they mention it or not. So it's just unfortunate that there's so many people going about their lives that don't realize that a lot of their peers are dealing with the same thing. And if there was more publicity towards it and more people just having normal conversations about it, then it would help so many people.
0: Have you ever had any like a, a conversation with a friend or maybe been in a conversation where somebody didn't quite understand anxiety at all and and, and wasn't really open to, to hearing about it and to accepting its existence?
1: Yeah, I've definitely had a couple of those um, in the more recent times since I've fully understood it. Um, I think that, you know, I've mentioned people have anxiety and they either just like don't really acknowledge it or even like get, like, scared, like, you know, it's interesting, like, the how wide of a range of reactions there are, because some people think, oh, my God, like, that's really, like, scary, like, are you okay, like, you know, is there anything I could do, and it's like, you know, I've been dealing with this, like, every day my whole life, like, it's not the kind of thing where you're just gonna, like, help me in the moment, Um, and then there's other people that just, like, brush it off, and they're like, oh, that means you get nervous sometimes, you know, I think that's the more common reaction, like, people don't think much about it, and, like, I think I've gone pretty far out of my way, too discuss what I deal with with a lot of my close friends and family and stuff at this point just so that they understand and if they catch me at a moment where I'm not at my most functional so to speak they'll know what's happening and they're not going to overreact not going to underreact just like you know let me roll with the punches Um, but yeah I think that a lot of people I've discussed it with don't really think much of it and don't really put a lot of effort to put themselves in my shoes. Um I don't know if you've dealt with the same sort of thing. I'm wondering what you think about that. Yeah, especially when I was going
0: through depression and, and my anxiety got so bad. I I mean it really led hand in hand to my depression. It was brutal just trying to to have conversations with friends like and from both ends, like it must have been absolutely brutal for my friends to hear me be negative like who wants to be around someone who's negative and in my head i'm like i i was like even if they weren't thinking it i was thinking i was like in my head thinking it must suck to talk to me right now i'm not fun i wasn't like not fun at all to be around right i was not able to 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 hear a pop i wasn't able to say anything positive about myself i couldn't i was really like it was hard for me to think any positive thoughts and i'd have you know countless conversations and I'm really lucky that, that I, had, um, I had I had fam- like, I had like I had a family member. My brother was really good at just just keep messaging me saying you're going to be okay. I believe like I believe in you. I know you're going to figure this out. This, you're 22, you're 21, 22 years old. Like it just doesn't have you've so much game left to play. This doesn't have to define you. I had really good friends who who were really positive, but I also had had friends that really were not equipped at all to deal with it. Like they were they didn't uh, they didn't understand it. They didn't know what to do they didn't, they were, they were having conversations. Like we'd keep having the same conversation over and over again. Like you just need to do this. Well, I don't want to do this. And from their perspective, it's like, he's not listening to me. And from my perspective, they're not listening. They're not, they're not hearing what I'm saying. It's like, there's so, there was such a disconnect where both of us were right and wrong at the same time. And it kind of exploded and, and, and kind of exploded. I didn't lose any friendships over it, but it definitely created um, a different dynamic in the relationship. So, I know now that when I have friends that come to me and i 'm lucky i 'm really happy to do it, when they come to me and they tell me their experiences, I always try and remember how personal it is and how hard it is to talk about and also when some people are talking about their feelings and their emotions to to somebody, even if whether it 's their good friend or even more so if they 're not like that good that good of friends, they're probably holding something back so when someone 's telling you it 's bad, yes, yeah, some people think people are exaggerating but also understand that it's possible. It's worse. They might be afraid to, to really tell you what they're feeling because they're afraid that you'll think poorly of them. You might think they're uh, there, there's something wrong with them. They're they're, there. It's such a vulnerable topic that I think people need to have not only empathy and sympathy, but also try and really understand that they're the other person's situation. And it's hard. I don't, it's, it's not an easy position for people to be in, especially at such a young, young age. Like we're only 20 now. I mean, I, I'm 25 years old. Like there's a lot of game left to play. I was was very young. Like
1: I'm very hopeful for the future of of people having the conversations. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there's anything I could change about my past, I just wish that there was some sort of, I mean, I don't want to like put it on like schools or anything like that, but just general sort of education somewhere out there that made it normal and approachable to discuss um, for younger people. And just just so I knew that what I was dealing with so that even if it's not discussing with people, it's Googling it or watching YouTube videos, which I do with a lot of things and I've done with this to learn about it. And I've spoken like my girlfriend is a, um, she's getting her doctorate in psychology right now. So she's provided me with a ton of insight. Um, I've spoken to some people that have a lot of gained knowledge about this that have helped me a lot, but a lot of my initial learning was just from my own research. And I think it's sort of, Is a valuable thing to be able to research it on your own because people are ashamed to talk about mental health issues. And, like, I totally understand that, especially as an adolescent. But it's all about just understanding what I was dealing with. And if I was able to do that at a younger age, I would have done more research into just realizing what I I have and what I could do about it, you know, with self-help.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. I think the best way to do it is is to the best way to make the conversation better is to have conversations. It means talking about it in open relationships and obviously there's a time and place and setting like do I think if you're at an an a, a, someone's party at an an open house that that's pro, that that going to be the most like conducive environment to discuss serious mental health issues? I think not. If somebody else thinks otherwise, all the power to you. Yeah. But There's a time and place, but I think that the more these conversations happen, the more people share their emotions and share feelings. And now I'm not saying you need to go find – you need to share every deep, dark thought you've ever had. Maybe that might be better off with a therapist or in other ways. And if that's something that you want to do, absolutely. Maybe go find a stranger in a a random city in a park that you'll never, ever see again. Have a confessional. Tell them every deep, dark secret you've ever had, all your feelings and emotions. And then you're not running the risk of that potentially – you know, coming back to, ha- to haunt you because, because Matt, it is, it is a, there is a realistic aspect to being, there is a realism of being afraid to, to share, to share feelings and emotions. It, it, it will, when you have these conversations with your friends, it, it'll bring you closer, but it, it can change the way you see it. in the immediate, but I think at the end of the day, my, I know my relationships with my good friends have only been strengthened by, by the struggles that we've shared with each other. It, it tightens our bond. They know what I've gone through and it gives them context yeah. and understanding. And understanding it's very easy to see somebody who's stuck in the corner and, and looks miserable but and until you go up and ask them what's what's up or make an effort and even if they don't want to talk to you that's also okay but understand that that person might be going through something and that might that can explain a lot of their behavior
1: yeah and no, i completely agree with that and i also just try to inform my friends not just for myself which obviously is helpful but also just you know because i know that My friends, if they don't understand it, they're going to be dealing with other people that have anxiety and whether or not that person understands it is a different story. But, you know, I want them to just be more patient and open to the idea that people are dealing with these things and it doesn't make them someone that's, you know, different from them in the sense that they can't act normally around them. But maybe just like if you see that they're dealing with these type of things, just show them support or just be a little easier on them during those times so that you know, it just minimizes how difficult it is for them. You know, there's nothing worse than if it's made worse by how people are dealing with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, I kind of want to, I want to take this idea and expand a little, because I think it plays out online on the online world a lot. How do you think social media plays a role in people's mental health?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's very toxic towards mental health. Obviously there's a lot of benefits towards technology in general and social media, but I mean, in terms of comparison with other people or seeing that friends of yours or people that you'd like to be around are with other people but not with you or people showing off certain physical attributes that you might not have or how many friends they have or how financially fortunate they have. All these different types of things that you wouldn't have to just see upon going onto your phone otherwise. Or if you're not with people, you wouldn't have had to see it if it wasn't for social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's something that definitely could trigger a lot of anxiety or po- just positive negative thoughts in general and possibly just lead people, you know, into a bad place. And I think that it's very important to minimize how much you're going on to social media if you see that it's affecting you. And I've definitely done that at times. Um, Not really right now. I don't feel like I need to minimize it right now for um, emotional or mental health reasons. I minimize it more during this time because I have to study a lot, but there have been times in my last few years where I said, you know, like I want to minimize how much I go on social media because I've seen some things that are sort of hurtful or just like put me into a negative headspace. And I think that it definitely helps a lot to just make that decision to, minimize it and think more about your own world instead of this manipulated world where people portray themselves in a very narrow way that might not always be indicative of real life, but could make people feel certain ways that are very negative.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think social media is such an interesting, um, such an interesting technology. I think there are two ways. I, I, it's like kind of a two way street that it works. You can eat, social media is either going to use you or you can actually use social media for there's a lot of like good you can do with social media. There's, if you're following it, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, I'm really only like well-versed in Facebook, which I don't think anybody really uses anymore, except I use it just to know people's birthdays. That's pretty much all I, yeah. uh, that's useful for me. But I remember growing up back in the day, Facebook was everything. Yeah. People shared everything on Facebook. You, if anyone was doing anything, it was going up on Facebook. People were getting together. They were going partying, and I know, I know there were times where I would see someone update their status, like or take a picture with like and tag like a bunch of friends, and like I never got a text about that. That really hurt like my feelings, and I wasn't really equipped necessarily to so, to deal with that and to be mature about it. Like there's some scenarios where you can be, you know, rightfully upset where you weren't included, but also understanding that hey, maybe these are just people that want to get together and they don't have to invite everybody to everything. But that, that can be really, even as an adult, that can still be really, really, really hard to like, if you're, if you have a group of like four close friends and two of them or three of them get together and you're the odd man out, it's possible. Like it's very, you can make the logical conclusion that you're being left out. And I know that Instagram, I, I don't really, I don't, I know of Instagram, like I know what it is. I don't really, I don't have one just because I don't deal well with, with that social media, that FOMO. I just don't want, if people are getting together great go and do it but for me it's more about kind of creating a diet a social media diet of what i'm consuming making sure is this person is this is this follow is this person i'm following on twitter um making actually giving me digestible information that's making me better do i feel better am i learning something am i getting something out of it or are they using me to get what they want across and it's not if there's no positive impact and if there's no
1: positivity then what am i actually using it for right i completely agree with you Um, I I also don't really find myself posting a lot on social media like over the past few years. Um, I do consume a lot of content from people that, you know, at times might have like maybe not feel as great as I should have just based on like either feeling left out when they post certain things or just like flaunting certain things that I just don't need to see. Um, but I think that there definitely are positives. Um, I mean, I think I also just follow a lot more like public figure accounts or company accounts or meme accounts, you know, as opposed to individuals. And I think it's moved more towards that. So I find that like over the past few years, it's been a little less toxic.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And I, I use the word diet for social media, but I think there's a lot of physical attributes to to dealing with your mental health. And I know you're big into diet and fitness and exercise. Tell, can you tell us and the listeners, What's your what? How do you take care of yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I guess um, I might not have always realized how much physical activity helped me because I always grew up playing a ton of sports and I was on the basketball team for many years uh, through uh, middle school and high school. Um, and then after, so I would have like basketball practice like a few times a week and games and pickup games and stuff like that. Um, but. Then after high school, I did feel like I was, I mean, obviously I was starting college and it was a lot of change and overwhelming, but I did feel like in the beginning I was sort of lost in a sense. I just felt like I didn't have a real way to like exert myself or take out stress or just deal with the anxiety that I still wasn't so positive that I was dealing with. Um, And so I took up uh, just, you know, fitness in general. Um, And I made that a big mission of mine and so I work out most days and try to eat pretty healthy and stuff like that. And as as I've said, I've, I've taken up kickboxing, which is really great. Um, it helps a lot with uh, soothing anxiety, just letting out that tension. And it's just you know, it feels really great. In addition to the actual tension relief and taking up your time for uh, productive things, it just feels great to like know that you're working towards your health. And I think that that definitely helps a lot. In addition to relieving the tension it's building positive feelings and knowing that you're investing in yourself in the long term and short term and also just eating well I feel like you know on days that I eat healthier I feel better and even in the moment if I'm eating something unhealthy if it feels better the feeling of eating healthier or just better quality food just gives you way more energy and feels you feel way less dragged down by that. And I've definitely like seen the contrast, like even if it doesn't directly affect my anxiety, just my mood and overall temperament. I think that, you know, physical fitness in general and working towards the goal on a, on a macro scale in addition to, you know, just being healthy and eating healthy and working out on a day to day basis, both of them really help your mental health awesome
0: i i think that's there's so much truth in what you just said taking care of the way you take care of yourself physically has an absolute connection to the way you're going to feel mentally it, it makes a ton of sense the more the better you do for yourself right you will exercise is a, is a is a lot of accomplishment i ran yeah. i'm ru- yeah. running i ran a mile now i run ran two last week i could only i did one and i like last week i only ran one mile and then next week i ran it quicker and then i ran two miles and i ran it quicker eating same way that there's certain food there's the, The garbage you eat. I mean, listen. If I eat a pint of ice cream, in the moment it might feel good. I might be getting a like a ton of dopamine and it feels good. But after I finish that pint of ice cream or eat something that's super unhealthy, I feel like terrible. It's like, can't you trying to eat better? Or now I feel now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. Well, why do what? What is it about that 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 I think is such a quick can be such a quick trigger for negative thoughts? And when when you get that negative thought, it can start to double and triple and quadruple and multiply, keep multiplying. And then it starts to ruminate. It stays in your, it stays in your head. And then you start going on and on and on. And I think there's so, it's such an important factor to key on what you put into your body. It can absolutely
1: have a direct connection to, to what goes on upstairs. Yeah. And on top of that, I just think it's important, like, as you've acknowledged on this podcast and one of your general goals in just discussing mental health as, part of general health and comparable to any other, you know, health issues that we talk about. I think it's so important to just look at them as both hand in hand, like not just mental health and physical health, but just health in general. They're both under that category and both are just as important. And I think that's so important for people to acknowledge. I think some people are, you know, I know some people out there that are very focused on their physical health and being in good shape and their diet and all these different things. But like you could tell that they don't, you know, from what I've seen, treat themselves as well as they should in terms of mental health and certain things that could relate to just feeling good on an emotional level and mental level and not just, you know, looking good or feeling physically good. I think it's really important to look at them both in the same way. And, you know, hopefully we're moving towards in the future, like fully considering them just health as opposed to separate categories
0: yeah, I, great. And I want to wrap this up. There's a segment that I, as I mean, you are the first guest, but I've been doing it on, on a previous podcast that I want to do with guests is uh, what is one thing that you're currently worried about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I've discussed it before, but definitely the biggest worry on my mind is the bar exam. Um, it's in about, what is it like a little, about two months from actually exactly two months wow two months wow. from today um and you know it's just i've worked really hard leading up to this you know going through law school and studying like crazy throughout the summer and everything the stakes are really high because i can't practice at, practice as an attorney if i don't pass it and it's a, an extremely extremely difficult exam and also the fact that it's two long days um back to back but yeah so i mean definitely very nervous about that and I think it's been a major challenge to my mental health Um, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job in dealing with it and I just know that like you know at times where I wasn't as aware of my mental health and educated in the area and just transparent with myself I would have had way more trouble. Um, I know that when I was studying for the LSAT you know during college and before law school I had a lot of trouble and it really let me down some really tough paths. And I just, you know, starting this process wanted to make sure that I avoid those type of situations and really just try to keep myself mentally healthy as much as possible.
0: Wow. Well, I know, I, I know, I know how important this is to you. I know I'm, I have all the faith in you. I'm I'm very confident you're going to smash the bar exam. I know you're going to do the, do the work that it takes to crush it. You're going to handle it really well. And lastly, what's one thing that you used to be, that used to be a real worry for you and how'd you overcome it?
1: Well, I think also relevant to this is um, I guess getting a job post law school. Um, It's very competitive and there's a lot of pressure and it's just, it's always scary um, to think so far in the future and like, you know, not know like what you're going to be doing to, you know, support yourself and everything. And you know they were just like the interviews are really intense I've had a lot of interviews uh first and second round and whatever and it's a very stressful situation so like I feel like until that settled I didn't feel fully at ease ever um it was always on my mind for about a year but thankfully I was able to secure a job that I'm very excited for and you know all the stress and hard work definitely paid off um and I'm happy that I didn't let myself get to a point during the more stressful situations where I just let it all like sort of unravel. Like I definitely did have my doubts with anxiety throughout, but I, I really just think it's a success story in terms of utilizing the tools that I've acquired and it really helped me get through it.
0: Yeah. Um, I appreciate you sharing that worry now. I'd be, it wouldn't be fair if, uh, you were the only one who shared something they were worried about and I didn't. So one thing that I'm currently worried about, uh, I'm like, I feel like I'm starting to lose my hair. Um, and it's like really like a weird thing to, I haven't gotten a haircut since like end of February, beginning of March. and like My hair has gotten like pretty long in certain areas, but like, I'm starting, I feel like I'm like really starting to thin and I'm very, very worried about losing my hair. So that's like been like a real stressor for me lately. Like I get pretty anxious. Like, can I, what I, if I go bald? Like, oh my god! Like, I know my genetics aren't great. I, fortunately, my brother was the one who got the good hair in the family. I just got—I uh, had good hair for the looks for what seems like the first twenty-five years, but I don't know—it's—it's it's not looking bright for it. And one thing that I used to worry about, and um, you know, I've really uh, one thing that I I'm used to worry about and how I've kind of overcome it is, um, I used to be very worried about um, employment. Um, currently I'm unemployed. This is what I'm doing, in a sense, full time. I'm actively applying to jobs. But I had a really, um, a really good conversation, uh, a few good conversations with a lot of friends recently about like, life, and I've kind of come to the realization that it, that'll work itself out uh, if, I put in, if I put in the effort, how much control is in my hands, and kind of realizing how young I am at 25 years old, I have so much game left to play, uh, hopefully. Um, I, hopefully, you know, I, I have a lot of game left to play, and, I, and yeah. the rest, a lot of it really is in my control. So knowing that has really been really calming for me to, to, to really overcome that worry. Yeah. And something, yeah. It's something I struggle. I've, I struggle with, I'm sure. It, it, what 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 worry I've overcome today can definitely might be a worry next week. But for today, I'm 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 feeling really good. I'm feeling really good about that in that sense.
1: I'm glad. And I know that uh, it definitely has been tough at times. But, you know, I know it's like you, you, you definitely do just have to remember that you're very young and there's so many people that still don't know like what exactly their path is and people that still won't in future years at, you know, a more advanced age than us. So everyone has their time and you know all the work that you're doing leading up to that will pay off when it all comes together, you know? All right.
0: And, and to wrap it up, Avi, for some, for, for a listener out, for a listener, a listeners out there that are struggling with their mental health, they're struggling with anxiety, maybe they have generalized anxiety and, and the similar anxieties that you do. What would you What would you like to tell them?
1: I'd just like to say that, firstly, it's more common than you think. Even if you don't know people that have discussed it with you, it's it's super common. And throughout my time of really embracing almost and understanding it, I've learned that a lot of my friends deal with similar things, if not very similar. And so, I just know that you're not alone, and people around you that deal with whatever mental health issue there is, if it's not the same as yours and it's very treatable, you know, like I've, I've had points in my life where I felt like it was very hard to get through um, certain days or weeks even. And had I known what I was dealing with and had the tools to deal with them, it would have made it so much easier. And I know that for a fact, because I've dealt with similar situations that were almost impossible for me to get through productively, and with these tools, I've gone through them pretty easily. So just know that you know there are tools out there that can help you. And whether you want to take up uh, positive thoughts, or meditation, or therapy, or talking to friends, or even just researching it, there's—it's never too late to start and to get yourself into a better headspace.
0: That's unbelievable advice, Avi. Thank you so much for for coming on and being my first guest on the Don't Worry About It podcast. I appreciate it. I know the listeners
1: will too. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate all you're doing here. And it's truly an honor to be here. And I can't wait to listen to many more productive episodes. All right. Be well. You too, man. Bye.
0: want to thank Avi for coming onto the program and sharing his story with with us. I found it to be really relatable. I thought it was really strong. I hope you all did as well. If this inspired you or if you have any interest in coming onto the program to share your story of mental health or anything in that department, please reach out. I'd love to have you on the program to hear what your thoughts. It can be something short. It doesn't have to be long form. It can be short form. It can be about specific emotion. It can be a general conversation, an interview, really whatever you're comfortable doing. I'm happy to have you on. If if you're interested, please reach out. Personally, you can reach me on any of the social medias that I have, just really, Twitter or Facebook. And you can reach me at my personal email of D I Z S O 3 1 at gmail.com. I'll put it in the notes description down below. Please, now that we're finally on Apple, didn't realize that a few days ago, but we're on Apple, on Spotify, on any really program that, that, that uh, publishes podcasts. So give me a subscribe, hit the subscribe button. You can maybe give me a like if you're interested write a review. If you're not, that's okay too. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Thank you. And looking forward to seeing you next week.